Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, July 29th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The Federal Reserve signaled that it's moving closer to tightening its monetary policy, and what would happen if CEOs and government officials could be taken to court for harming the environment? We'll take a look. Plus, India's big tech groups are going public, but will investors pour in? For these great, buzzy tech companies, the question is at what point and if these companies will ever become profitable. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The Federal Reserve wrapped up a two-day meeting yesterday. It kept interest rates near zero and said it would continue buying $120 billion worth of monthly assets. But the Fed also indicated it's seeing progress in the U.S. economy, and the central bank signaled it's closer to the point where it will ease the asset purchase program. The FT's Colby Smith breaks down what that progress looks like. The key thresholds are really as it relates to uh, inflation and the labor market. Over the coming months, we've seen a really substantial rise in consumer prices. Now, this has been largely isolated to sectors of the economy that were most impacted from the pandemic and areas that are uh, very sensitive to any of the reopening trends that we have seen. So this has been in sectors such as airfares or hotel prices. Used cars as well has driven a lot of the surge. Uh, So on the inflation front, um, they're seeing the type of bounce back that they had hoped to see um, with the economy growing at the pace it has. On the labor market front, we we had a really strong report uh, recently. There's been um, a little bit of a slowdown in the progress there, but Powell indicated yesterday that he expects very, very strong gains in the coming months as people return to the workforce. So, Colby, what about the spread of the Delta variant? Did the Fed factor that in? Powell made a pretty interesting point on uh, the Delta variant, which is obviously something that market participants and economists and policymakers are paying very close attention to. What he um, said was that the, the economic impact of another wave of coronavirus is not necessarily known and that, you know, the economic projections might not change so dramatically um, with the variant spread. So um, I think that does turn upside down our thinking about exactly how uh, COVID is impacting the economy. And it's something certainly to keep an eye out for in the coming months. Colby Smith is the FT's U.S. economics editor. Do we need a crime of ecocide, a crime for harming the environment? Felipe Sanz is an international lawyer, and he thinks so. He recently co-chaired a global panel that produced a legal definition of this proposed new crime. So what kind of transgressions would this law apply to? Felipe Sanz explains. The kinds of things we had in mind were acts against the environment which cost a threshold, for example, in relation to air pollution or climate change, in relation to biodiversity or forest loss or loss of Great Barrier Reefs or that kind of situation, transboundary movements and dumping of hazardous wastes. But it has to be on a level that the whole of the international community says, hang on a second, that's not on. There is an international interest in stopping that. Sand says that a law like this could act as an effective deterrent because it would make potential eco-criminals think twice. I think that with everything in this domain, it all begins 
with the act of reflection. And once people start asking themselves, wow, could I be criminally responsible? They start to think differently. Ultimately, he says, it would be up to prosecutors at the International Criminal Court to decide to bring a case. But before this can even happen, a group of countries will need to propose the law as an amendment to the court statute, and 80 countries would need to approve it. So it's not going to happen tomorrow, but it need not happen in 10 years. It could happen sooner than that. It's all about political will. It's all about six or seven political leaders saying, we support this. Felipe Sands was this week's guest on the Rockman Review podcast, which comes out every Thursday. You can find a link to this week's podcast in the show notes. Global investors have been excited about India's tech startup scene lately, especially since China's massive regulatory crackdowns on tech companies. Zomato, an Indian food delivery group, launched its IPO last week, and it was a roaring success. It's considered a milestone for Indian equity markets. Paytm, a payment app, is expected to float later this year. Both are backed by Jack Ma's Ant Group, which had its own IPO halted by Beijing last year, forcing it to restructure. So is India's tech scene the real deal? The FT's South Asia correspondent, Stephanie Finley, joins me now to discuss this. Hey, Steph. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, So Steph, tell us a little bit about the layout of the tech companies in India and this IPO boom that we're seeing. So India has dozens of unicorns now. It's the country with the highest number of unicorns behind only the US and China. Zomato and Paytm represent uh, some of the biggest, but there are many others with solid fundamentals. But like the rest of the world for these great buzzy tech companies, the question is at what point and if these companies will ever become profitable. Many of these companies, Zomato and Paytm included, have burned through millions in cash in the race to dominate the market, and they've yet to post a profit after being fueled by global capital. For years now, people have been waiting for this this IPO wave. There's been these unicorns that have been growing and growing, and India has obviously has talent, obviously has entrepreneurs, but we haven't seen any exits. So Walmart had made a $16 billion acquisition of Flipkart, but other than that, we hadn't seen anything um, major. So I do think that Zomato's IPO and later Paytm's IPO kind of heralds the start of this boom. Um, so I guess... Do investors see India as the next China? Obviously, there's been this incredible regulatory crackdown from China. Um, So is this kind of a greener pasture, fertile soil, if you will, for investing in tech startups? Uh, In some sense, yes. India is a major frontier and analysts say more than ever they are seeing money coming into it as a major growth market. But there's a kind of word on caution between the India-China comparison is that despite India's population of 1.4 billion, the number of middle class internet consumers, the, the people that these tech companies are targeting, is only estimated to be 150 to 200 million maybe even less if you have a premium product. So it may not be as big as it appears at first glance. But definitely with China's crackdown on DD, investors are looking for companies to invest in where they hope to uh, have a little bit of protection from regulators. Do these IPOs do anything uh, for, you know, what does it say for India as a whole? So with these companies, I think we're seeing this whole wave of tech startups mature. 
and they are offering uh, something to the world that isn't just kind of confined to the India market. So if you're looking at insurance aggregator Policy Bazaar or merchant platform Pine Labs, these are solutions to daily life that are actually leapfrogging other technologies that we have in other parts of the world. More than ever, we're sort of seeing this tech ecosystem develop and deepen. And so much money is coming in that it's to the point now where good companies aren't struggling to get funding. They're struggling to find enough staff, find enough engineers to uh, keep on growing the company. So I think it's a really exciting time for India. Stephanie Finley is our South Asia correspondent. She's based in New Delhi. Before we go, we've got an update on a Tesla co-founder and a new move that he's made. As you might know, a few years ago, J.B. Straubel used his expertise to set up a battery recycling startup called Redwood. Now, the startup just raised $700 million in a funding round. To put that into context, that's six times bigger than what Tesla, his old shop, achieved in its first six equity rounds combined. This funding round could mean big things for the battery sector. Straubel said he wants to set up a closed-loop supply chain for electric vehicles within the U.S. That includes the recycling of car batteries. And there's a market for it. Only 5% of lithium-ion batteries are recycled. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.